Welcome to the Connected Communication Podcast, the show which explores how much of communication is nature and how much is nurture, sharing speaking secrets along the way. I'm your host, Christine Molani. Just before the spring equinox every year, on March 17th, you'll hear the greeting. Happy St. Patrick's Day in Ireland and other parts of the world. It flows from the lips as fast as the Guinness flows into them. But how many of us actually step back and take a second to think about what that really means? Today, I'm braving a potential backlash, raising a topic that before January 17th, 2020, might have been seen as the utterance of blasphemous matter, a criminal offence and punishable in accordance with the law in Ireland. Today I'm calling into question Ireland's patron saint, Patrick, and exploring whether or not he should be considered saintly at all. The name Patrick is synonymous with Ireland. My dad and younger brother are Patricks. My dad's dad was Patrick. My granddad is Patrick. There are Patricks everywhere, and some Patricias, like my mum. From the Latin Patricius, I think is the pronunciation meaning nobleman, the name was made so reverent that it wasn't apparently until the 17th century when it was permitted to be used by the layman, or the non-ordained member of the church. Interestingly enough, this was also around the time when St. Patrick's Feast Day was placed on the liturgical calendar, or the calendar of the Catholic Church. Held on March 17th every year, St. Patrick's Day celebrates Ireland's patron saint. On the morning of this celebration in 2022, I was in a clubhouse room I used to frequent. Being the only Irish person in the room, I said Happy Paddy's Day to everyone. Then I was asked what it meant. So I did my Irish duty and told the story of St. Patrick. Here's what I said. St. Patrick is Ireland's patron saint. Contrary to what people think, he wasn't in fact Irish. He was Welsh a Welsh slave, held captive in Ireland. When he escaped, he felt a calling from God to come back to Ireland and free us from paganism, bringing Christianity to the country. It's said that he used the shamrock to explain the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, on the three leaves, and drove the snakes out of Ireland. Every year we celebrate this on March 17th with parades, parties and storytelling all over the country and everyone wearing shamrock on their lapels. Chicago even dyes its river green for the event. There were a few comments and greetings back in response, and the room continued. Afterwards, I went for my morning walk. As I walked, allowing my brain to relax, I started thinking about what I'd explained, and a sudden curiosity came over me. Did I actually believe anything I'd said? Or was I spouting a story that had been nurtured since my childhood? I grew up in Catholic Ireland in the 1980s. My grandparents and parents were devout Christians. We went to Mass every week. I served, sang in the church choir, made my communion and confirmation. Every year, I took part in a St. Patrick's Day parade, dressed up in religious garb or clothing standing on a parade float beside St. Patrick 
or somebody dressed up as him, waving out at the local community, delighted with myself. I loved it. St. Patrick's Day was the day Irishness was expressed and celebrated all over the country and in many parts of the world. You were made to feel proud of your Irishness, proud of St. Patrick himself. I consider myself a very Irish woman, very proud to be Irish. As I was walking, I began to wonder what that truly meant. According to Maureen O'Hara, one of Ireland's greatest exports, actresses, singer, it means we're strong, capable, mouthy and witty. We say what we feel and wear our hearts on our sleeves. But not to everyone. Being an Irish woman also means being conditioned to say what it's nurtured in us to believe. To wear our hearts on our sleeves, but not really show our emotions. To keep things behind closed doors and locked up, living in the fear of God that the neighbours would find out your business. If a woman got pregnant out of wedlock, she brought shame upon the family and was hidden away by the church in Magdalene laundries until her baby could be whisked away and she returned to the parish under the pretense of having been ill or off helping a family member somewhere in the countryside. And this is in the past. If a woman were so brazen as to question anything happening around them, they were told to be a good girl, shut their mouth and go help out in the kitchen. If a woman dared to leave her abusive alcoholic husband, she was to be shunned by the community and the church, refused entry to mass, and certainly not allowed to receive the Holy Sacrament. But this was to be my mother's fate, not because she left an abusive alcoholic husband, but because she, she cohabited with her new partner and his children before her marriage had been completely annulled and she could remarry so that she was acceptable again in the eyes of the church. Now, unbeknownst to Mom or I at the time, that was one of the greatest gifts the church could have given. Fueled by shame, disgust and a newfound distaste for the entity that purported itself to be a teacher of love, forgiveness and charity. My mind was now free to hear the words preached from the pulpit with a newfound awareness. And I found my way back to my truth and my light. To the sun, to the moon, to the stars. The tradition of storytelling in Ireland long precedes St. Patrick. Shan Key, custodians of history, could recount stories of Irish myth and wisdom whenever it was needed. One of the greatest stories of our modern times is that of St. Patrick. Yes, listeners, the legend of St. Patrick appears to be just that, a well-shaped saga. I'm no learned historian, so I won't go trying to pretend I know the whole story and recount it to you. I have my sights set on a couple of historians who might be convinced to do an interview with me in the future. Talk to Ross on Instagram, you're in my eyeline. What I do understand is that the origins of Christianity in Ireland were weak and the church needed a stronger story to engrave the faith in the minds and hearts of people it sought to convert. Patrick had preserved himself in the hearts and minds of local communities more deeply than his counterpart Palladius originally sent by the Pope to inspire the faith in Ireland. He'd also written a letter, 
in response to bishops who criticised his apocalyptic preaching, which is the only account of evangelistic action in Ireland at the time. Patrick, from all accounts, was one of the original fear-mongers, going completely off-script and putting the fear of God into people about the second coming, frightening them all into the belief that they needed to repent. Countless stories exist of his ungodly actions, all of which seem to have been reshaped into an account that suited the church, much like the incorporation of Ireland's pre-Christian festivals into the liturgical calendar. Before Patrick, my ancestors aligned with the light of the sun and the moon. I released this podcast at the time of the March equinox and new moon in 2023. This is the time when Earth's two hemispheres receive the sun's rays equally. It is a time of new beginnings. The rising sun illuminates the passages of ancient chambers at places like La Cru, built over 5,000 years ago and revered to this day by those of us who found a way to break free of the conditioned, nurtured, paternalistic beliefs that were written into our history and shaped into a story that suited the ruling powers of the time. Was Patrick Priester poison? Can we ever shed the country of the wild belief that he was a saintly scholar who rid the land of paganism and snakes that never really existed? Or are we destined to continue nurturing this legend forever? Does it really matter? To me, yes. As an Irish woman who's found her voice and cleared her throat of the energetic phlegm that indicates the words she's readying to speak have too long been held back, it matters a great deal. As an Irish woman who spent much of her life being nurtured to believe she shouldn't share her opinion, shouldn't question authority or voice what her gut told her to be true, it matters a great deal. As an Irish woman, tired of living in the shadow of saints rather than the shimmer of the sun, finished with fading fearfully, ready to stand for the silenced, it matters a great deal. On this equinox and new moon in 2023, I come before you to stand beside you, to tell you something we all know about. The time of women's voices being raised to be silent is over. The time of men being raised to be forceful is too. Uniting in celebration of our differences, we are now writing new stories. Whatever has been nurtured in you to believe, and whether or not you choose to question the nature of that belief, is entirely your prerogative. This week, listeners, I ask you, what beliefs about your history have you never stopped to question? What are your thoughts on the questions I raise about St. Patrick? Do you see me as a heretic, as he is reputed to have been? Is it time to rewrite our religious histories and re-embrace the practices of our ancestors gone past? their reverence of nature and the lessons so wisely shared. What do you think? What do your peers think? How can we unite in celebration of our differences and move forwards in our so-called post-reset world? Please share your thoughts as a review comment in the community if you're there 
or a review on the podcast. Share this with your friends and family. Let's get the conversation started. As the History of Ireland's website says, one generation's need for a meaningful story to explain their present is the next generation's embarrassment. Yet bits from every period linger in the storehouse of images. What images are you leaving for your next generation? And how will they feel when they see them? Law fail apodric hanadiv. As always, thanks for listening. Please rate, review, share and subscribe. And don't be too mean to me if you disagree. But I can take it. Until next time, Banatia Vespuyakas. <laughs>